0: Block Talk Radio.
1: Well, good morning everyone. Good afternoon to our friends out on the East Coast. This is Stuart Crawford, and here we are again, another week, another episode of Small Business IT Radio. Coming to you live on the Block Talk Radio Network. And I want to thank the folks at Blog Talk Radio for uh, you know putting the service on, so we can uh, leverage it to spread the the word to all the IT professionals that are out there uh, tuning in. You know, one of the things I'm finding out uh, as I'm getting some reviews, I get I get a number of emails after every program every week. And you know what? One of the amazing stats I'm starting to see is a lot of people that are tuning into this program are not IT professionals. They're just uh, tuning in for the the great business advice that we have from our guests that come on. So, hello to all the Non-IT professionals that are out there as well, but again, small business IT radio is focused on uh, helping IT professionals, small business owners, and all of us who want to, you know, want to make more money in today's world. It's, that's, a, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we get into business for. So and that's what we're here to uh, help you share some, uh, you know, tips and tricks today. Like on, uh, like all other programs, is another one of these great uh, shows lined up. where We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the business side of what we do, and uh, i invited my good friend uh, George. Tricio from Action Business Partners out. Uh, I think you're in the New York area these days, George, aren't
2: you? I'm out in New Jersey.
1: New Jersey, so like calling an Edmontonian, a Calgarian, I guess. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, you know partnerships in uh, in in general. And I a good friend of mine told me one time that partnerships can be a difficult ship to steer. And I you know I've lived with that because I've come out of a, a, a partnership that was eight years. Uh, With two other fellows in the last little while, and just joined up with a couple other guys here to start a new business here in uh, in Calgary, doing uh, IT services. Um, But we've expanded our our footprint and offering different type of services. But you know, it's going from one partnership into the other. Uh, You know, we we chatted George at the gym the other day. It's like going from one marriage, you know, getting divorced and going into another marriage right away. But uh, (laughs) we can talk about that as we go. But George, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us. who you are what you're about and uh, a little bit of history of uh, where you started and how you got to where you are today
2: sure Stuart. Um again my name is george sergio i uh... go by the moniker the Consultant's coach uh... my company's called action business partners it's a uh... business advisory and coaching company dealing mainly with technology-based uh... business owners such as i t people engineering people along that line uh, i got into that about six years ago because I was an IT and engineering business owner for a fairly long period of time, right out of college, never worked for anybody full-time in my life, started out doing some independent things, gotten in with some partners uh, a couple of years out of school, um, happened to be the, the youngest person in that particular company, and I was an engineering and IT company took to the uh, million-dollar mark in about four years. I had that for about seven years. And then uh decided to get out of it, sold it in little pieces and uh said, What am I gonna do? And I turned around and said those other people like me that like technology, they're a technology person. I have an electrical engineering degree and um you know, they want to get into business for themselves and I, I actually had a very big um I should say, love for business and um my, my goal was always in college to take that and and build businesses with it, and that's what I did. And there's other people out there that wanted to do that. And uh, since I had the background for it and I did it pretty well, I figured why not turn around and do that. So that's basically how I came up to where I am today.
1: Well, great. Well, it sounds like a good good, uh, story there, George. So Action Business uh, Partners, uh, obviously the word partners is in there. Uh, We're talking about partnerships today. So let's just uh, you know let's just dive in. But before we do, I want to let everybody know that I have the chat window open on uh, Blog Talk Radio, so you can get on there and ask uh, questions. Uh, you know, via the chat if you want to get on there, or you can dial in directly. And the dial-in number is area code six four six seven one six eight three seven two. We'll take some live calls uh, in a in a little while here. If there's anybody who dials in, wants to ask George a question about uh, you know partnerships in general. So George, we you know I can see. You know, two areas of partnerships in uh, in small business IT today. Uh, we have, you know, what we're going through right now is, uh, you know, what we, we we either have a couple of buddies that we went through school with, or you know, guys that we maybe worked on. Another my, my history is I formed up another company with two guys that I used to work with in another firm. We decided we could probably do this better ourselves, so we started a business. We ran that for eight years, and I decided it was time for me to move on. Those two other guys are still plugging away, doing some great stuff. Um, but, you know, that's one area of uh, business partnerships is, you know, finding, you know, some guys that you're used to working with or some buddies out of school, you start a business. And the other side, which we'll touch base on in a little while here, is, you know, business-to-business partnerships. Like you want to do business with Microsoft or you find another partner, say, in, you know, another city and you want to do some and sharing some opportunities that way. But, but George, let not start right after the scratch from square one here. Partnerships with other folks. Uh, in your experience, I mean, maybe you can tell a little bit of history about your business uh, as well. Is you know, what are what are the, some of the things you know? If you're lying awake at night and you're thinking, I want to start a business and I want to go into partner with uh, you know these two guys, what should be some of your first thoughts?
2: Well, first thoughts are, do I really need anybody else to partner with? And, and there is two different things you're talking about. Um, The one is going into business with people, and the other one is teaming up with somebody that's in another business already. So very distinct, two different things. If we just stick to the I want to go into business and start a business with somebody else, then my first thought is if I can avoid having a partner, then I'm going to avoid it. And the more partners there are, the more problems there usually are. You know, Some people think, well, as long as there's an odd number, so there's always a... Um, a voting thing that can happen, two-to-one, and you know, all type of thing, uh, that, that it's okay. But when it comes down to it, everybody is different. Everybody thinks differently, and uh, it could be your brother or it could be your best friend. You just don't know when you get into this kind of relationship with somebody what they're going to react like. And so, I mean, the only thing you can actually do is say, well, if I'm going to go into business, business with somebody, what do I do? well that they don't do that well and what do they do well that i don't do well type of thing so you're filling gaps Mm -hmm. so you know the best thing you can do is is fill gaps the worst thing you do is bring somebody on because they have money and you don't and you're using them to do some kind of funding type of thing that always seems to destroy relationships if they're related to you in one way or another Completely very quickly, and um, if not, if it's somebody you really don't know, then you don't know what you're getting into at all. Mm. Everybody's funny about their money. Yep. so <laughs> if you're 50 50, but the 150 percent is somebody that put in uh, $50,000 or $100,000 and you're putting in sweat equity, um, somebody's going to get mad at the fact that they're doing a lot of work, and the other one's going to get mad because. They don't have as much control as they would like to have because they put all the money up and then.
1: Just well, the you know, George, that's you know, that's a great point you raised here because I I know I think through a course of an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you can call anybody that you know has a partnership. There are certain times where one party has feels like they're doing all the work, and the other, you know, two or three or one other guy is kind of along for the ride. What what would you recommend people do if they were, if they're in that situation? Because I'm sure that pendulum swings both directions all the time.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it's almost a guarantee that's going to happen at one point or another. Uh, it could be all parties thinking they're doing more work than the other. or It seriously can be one because the other one knows they're not doing as much work and they're doing it on a purpose. So if you back it up a little bit, what I would say is that let's first go with the fact that you, you should have had, and I don't care, again, if it's your brother, your father, a cousin, a best friend, somebody you known from college, or somebody that you met on the job somewhere else that you kinda you know, got together with to make a business, it doesn't matter what your previous relationship was you need to have an operating agreement with that partner and uh, that operating agreement is going to spell out what you're supposed to do, what they're supposed to do, it can adjust over time, but the whole point of the matter is when anytime you put something in writing it usually tends to not happen it's not a given But Mm -hmm. the odds go down for some strange reason that uh, if you say X situation or Y situation, that X or Y situation won't come up. And if it does, you already know what you're going to do about it. Now, if you never did that and you're sitting in a spot where you're doing a lot of work and somebody else is not doing quite as much, the question is, do you think they're doing it on purpose or do you think that, you know, it's something that's just happening. Maybe they're losing their luster for the for the uh, business or they don't realize that you're doing a lot more work or whatever it happens to be. If they're not doing it on a purpose, it's a different situation. You can you can sit them down and talk and say, look, this is what I think is going on, and you know, either we have to remedy this thing one way or the other or we're going to have to not work together anymore. And the remedy can be, you know, I get more piece of the pie. You know, you agree that... Um, I am doing more work, so my salary should be higher, or my profit sharing should be higher. Or uh, if they're not happy, then you know, find out why and, and, and how you can make it so that they, they are happy and they want to be there. It could be personal issues. You have no idea. If you know somebody's doing it on purpose, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. When, if you get, you, know, if you can't go backwards and say, look, we had an agreement. It's on paper. It's all legal. This is what you're supposed to do, and you're not doing it. You know, so we're going to follow the rules here. If, if you don't have that to go by, unfortunately, the one that's doing all the work is the one that's in the worst spot. And that's, that's, that's when you would have to, you know, make the decision is do you want to stay in this business with this person or not? And what are your options to get out? You know, well, I think
1: you, met, you mentioned a lot of good points there, George. And one of the, you know, based on some of my experiences, you know, I've, uh, I've been, you know, this is my third business that I'm uh, involved with in the IT space, as, you know, somewhat of a decision-maker role. Uh, my first one, we all did it on a handshake. We all sat around the table and shook hands. And when the rubber hit the road and some money started coming in, the two principal owners on paper uh, basically said, "Well, we kind of had a change of heart, and you guys are really just employees." That really drove home the point of, um, you know, we got to get this written down. And are you still seeing a lot of partnerships out there that are, you know, a bunch of buddies just sitting around a table and they shake on it, and you know, then several years later they're they're going, "What the heck just happened?"
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, as much of, as I've done this, um I've been in several businesses besides the technology ones and and I've made the mistake, you know, things not spelled out um too well. I've also been involved with the other kind of partnerships we're talking about where you go in to help somebody else or they're trying to help you and it's a business to business thing, but inside of their business they didn't have <laughs> the uh the documentation per se that said he's an owner. And he's an owner. It just happened to me recently. There's two guys that got together to do something, and this is this past year, so yes, recently, that uh, I said, okay, I'll help you out. And it turns out that one guy wasn't even an owner. And that actually uh, completely changed the relationship between me and the two of them. So it it is a common thing because it's just like, uh, it's almost, almost the same as, talking the game, and then never asking for a prenup when you get married.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. You know, is this just like getting a prenup when you get married is, you know, Absolutely. having it's a...
2: easy to talk about. it. It's easy to say, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. But, you, one, you're trying not to insult the other person. And, two, once you start really getting rolling, that's the last thing on your mind, mm-hmm. you to go backwards and do that. I, I know the, uh, the engineering and IT company I had, literally, for seven or more years, I think it was seven plus years, I had sitting on my desk in various places an operating agreement that we never finished. Never finished. Well, I mean, that,
1: and that's a whole story for another show, there, George. Is how many things we start in our business and never finish? Yep.
2: <laughs> Completely different. You're right, and everything it just, everything goes to the back burner once something else happens. And and you know what? This is something that most people, and and I've done it myself, and you've done it. They ended up thinking that it wasn't that important. You know, things moving along was more important, and it's it's like the foundation of the house. You know, you can if you only start putting part of it in and then you start building the house because you decided not to buy some more concrete that you needed, the house is going to fall down eventually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to sustain itself. Now, if you're lucky, everything is dispersed. You know, nicely, you sold the company, or you just decided to break apart, whatever, before the animosity happens. Because once you start bringing legal actions into everything, nobody wins.
1: Well, the only people that really win on those are lawyers, and I just went through that. So.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> lawyers love it. They love. Yeah, lawyers love it. Yep. And you don't set up everything that you need because you're going to come back to them, and and now you're at the mercy of whatever they decide can be done. So what I'm
1: hearing from you, George, is, is, is it's critically important. To have the rules of the game laid out before you start playing the game.
2: Absolutely, and there's really no reason why you shouldn't go backwards if it wasn't played out, and and get them set up, except for the you know it's tough to do it. I mean, it's tough to say to your partner, you know, I know we've been working together for two or three years. Whatever happens to but well, we never finished this, and uh, if something happens, what are we going to do? I mean, the best way, not to change it up here. But the best way to actually get somebody once you've already been in business for a while with them to turn around and, and agree to, to sit down and write this agreement that should have happened already is to say you're doing it because, you know, what happens if something happens to one of us? You know, you, you can bring it up as, a, you know, we need some key man insurance or, you know, whatever it happens to be, and uh, you can roll that right into, you know what, with key man insurance when you decide how it gets distributed, and everything else, you really need an operating agreement. So we need to actually set up the whole operating agreement. And that's that's the nicest way to do it. Other than that, it's never it's never an easy thing to go back to somebody and say, you know, and try to explain why you're saying it, because now they're going to think, well, are you saying I don't do anything around here? Or are you saying you do more than me? And then you start getting to an argument with that, and it's just not fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, exactly. I mean, in my experience that I, that I can relate to is that, even in my last uh, venture, was that, uh, and we didn't. We had some of the rules of the game laid out, but but they weren't very clear. They were open for interpretation, and every lawyer and every pers- every person interprets things differently, and of course try to put a spin. So you want to have those clear rules down before you end up you know, writing checks up for thousands, thousands and thousands of dollars to your uh, to your attorney to uh, try to get things sorted out for you. Well, after the, you know, after everything has happened.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know and and there's never a bad time to do it that's you know if if you haven't done it yet figure out a way to to get it done it protects everybody like i said there might be some turmoil or it's just not fun bringing the subject up but once you actually have it written down everybody feels a little bit better cuz i guarantee you it doesn't take long and never took long for me to to feel some kind of tense uh situations and animosity when normally it probably wouldn't be if something was already in writing that says, situation A, B, C, and D, if they happen, this is what's going to go on. Because all that's going through your head is, oh, I see something coming. I don't know how this other person's going to react. Again, even knowing them all your life, you don't know. And uh, it's just it's not a good situation. It really is a marriage, per se. You know, it really, there is a prenup that's needed. Um, and it's, it's just protection so that if it's written it won't happen. And if it does happen, we know what's going to go on. So if you take those things out of the picture, then you don't have to worry about them. You know, because you are stuck with this person. As soon as you get a line of credit or a loan, and you've got a partner or two, you're all together on paying that loan, whether that company exists or not. Absolutely.
1: Just like your lease on your office space and Absolutely. all the debt that occurs uh, in the business. Everybody, and just like a marriage, everybody uh, has their equal ownership of uh... of the successes and those the challenges that show up from time to time
2: absolutely and, and from you know in the, the u.s. standpoint anyway as far as liabilities go if if your partner <laughs> takes off with half your money and moves to canada uh... you know if you can't find them you're stuck with all the uh... all the bills well
1: because we're such a yours. we're we're safe haven for people like that george <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> That makes a good that makes a good point. What can a business owner do to prevent that from happening?
2: I'll I tell you what, I'm, I, because I'm not a lawyer, I, I can't really answer that, but all I can say is the best thing you can do is have all those agreements. That's it. I mean, if you have an operating agreement, there's a lot more fear for somebody else to take something like taking all the money out of your bank account and taking off. They're just less likely to do it. Um, everybody has their little bit of agreed um, I've been in cash-based businesses as well and uh, you know those are the worst ones but uh, you know your, your most prized uh, relative can be working for you and they see enough money pass in front of them and they say I'm just gonna take it you know they're never gonna notice or it doesn't mean all that much to them they're making tons of money well a partner can do the same thing and just say this person has no idea I'm running the finances he has no idea that I can take five thousand bucks a week and scroll it away. And when I got enough, I'm going to take off and leave him. Now that's all about being partners, though. If you're, even though you said, "Okay, you run the finances and I'm going to do this part and you do that part and I'm going to do this part," that doesn't mean you can't pay attention to the rest of the business. You know, you should still meet and communicate. The communication in any relationship is always the worst part. It's the thing that ends up. Breaking down everything else. When there's no communication, then you have no idea what's going on in the world around you. You know what you're doing, and you know they're doing something. And if you can see it, you know they're doing it. But there's a lot of things that everybody does in everyday life that, you know, your wife goes out, she goes shopping, you know, she went shopping, you don't know if she went to four or five other stores, you're not there with her. When she comes back and tells you, then you know. Same thing with your partner. You have no idea if they're not feeding you the financial information. If that's their thing, then you have no idea if you guys are on the same page or not. So communicate. Well, and that, you
1: know that's a very good point, George. And I mean, I mean again, I want I like to share my experiences. You know, my my focus on my in any of the business I've been uh, is always been on on the sales and marketing. I mean, I that's where my passion is. That's what I love to do, but it doesn't stop me from needing to understand the financials and digging to, and asking those questions. You know what are we what's the ba- what's the balance in the bank account look like? How are we doing cash flow wise? You don't have to necessarily be in there every day, but I think every partner in the business needs to know what's happening in everybody else's department. And like my other partners, I have no problem with them asking me. You know how do we how do we do on that last marketing campaign? What how much did we spend and how much did we get back? What was the ROI? I think as business owners and the partners, we need to sit down and 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 not be afraid to ask questions in areas that we you know we don't have direct responsibility for. George, you know, how do how do how do you see that and you know what's the best way to for people to approach so you know and my way back I used to get my guard up all the time, but and they they're almost like they were meddling but now i now I've grown up a little bit, I understand the importance of it but you know how do how does how do two or three guys uh break down those barriers where there's no there's no fear of the other person meddling or or perceived meddling in in their affairs
2: well part of it starts out with knowing the people you're getting into business with and before you even do one thing with the business, saying to each other, you know, we're going to break apart. Who does what? There's going to be some overlap, but, you know, we're going to have weekly meetings and everybody needs to say what they have to say and everybody gets to ask what they have to ask. I mean, if somebody's not comfortable off the bat, if you can find that out, then that's what you want to do and avoid that situation and say, you know what, this is not a good person to partner with. I can't trust them. And maybe it's because he can't trust you. It could be a personal issue. You know, it has nothing to do with you. But um, there's some people that uh, are very guarded, like you said, and some people work out of it like you did. You understood that people aren't, you know, trying to look over your shoulder to to take over what you're doing. They're just curious because, (laughs) you know, things you're doing are affecting them. So having an understanding that says, you know, partnership, just like in a marriage, means – we have our jobs to do, but you can't do it blindly. And you know, at certain times things are going to cross, and you got to be able to talk about them, or else you're going to have a problem. Now, if you're already in business with somebody and and you you didn't do that kind of homework, and uh, you're feeling like the person is is hiding stuff, they're guarding stuff. She, I got to tell you, it's it's very difficult to get out of that, and it's not like you want to bring somebody. Um, like a psychologist in, but, you, you know, sometimes that's a good time for an outside business advisor that understands that this is why this is happening. It's a very good uh, possibility that it's not because there's a problem with you or a problem with the other person. It's it's a personality issue, and they're not understanding what the communication has to be. So a third party is often, you know, an outside third party, um, not another partner. Not another, not an employee, not an, especially not a spouse of any of the the partners, but uh, an outside person to take a completely outside approach. That says, I know the kind of things you're going through, and I can tell by the way you're speaking that you're not communicating on certain things, or so there's some reasons that you're you're hiding X, Y, or Z, and we need to to bring them to light and. And not do that anymore. That's the only thing you can really do. Once you get to a standstill where it's I'm not showing you my stuff and you're not showing me your stuff, there's no way to get out of it without bringing somebody else into the mix.
1: So let, let's talk about that, George, for a second. Because I'm a big believer in, in you know coaching and having a coach for a lot of parts of your life. And I mean, at one time, I you know I, I kind of adopted the Tiger Woods philosophy of you know I'm going to focus on what my core skills are and what I'm really good at. But you know, and, but I still need somebody to help me with that, and, you know, businesses can go out and hire a, a guy like you to come in and help them uh, with, uh, with the business, and, uh, you know, maybe want to have an executive coach who, who understands, uh, you know, what challenges of a, a president CEO, or you may want to join peer groups like Heartland Technology Groups or Vistage or something like that, but how important is it, George, to for a business, even when their things are going well, to have uh, a coach or mentor or something like that come in and, you know, just help them stay on track.
2: It's it's paramount. I mean, it, just like I use the Tiger Woods example all the time. I mean, you can use any sports figure um, in any professional sport, whether it's an individual sport or a team sport. I mean, if, if everybody didn't need somebody along the line to keep them running the straight and narrow, then you wouldn't have managers and coaches and head coaches and everybody like that. They'd be just players and, uh, you know, they'd make up their own lineups, and um, they wouldn't practice, you know, things would never go bad once they got to a professional level, it just doesn't happen. Things will always come up that, that'll hiccup what you're doing, and the best of the best out there in any kind of business or profession, they have somebody that's, you know, guiding them, somebody that's already been where they uh, want to be, and and that's Keeps them on, on the straight and narrow. If you don't do that, once, at one point or another, things will go off the track, and they're going to blow up in your face. I mean, you can name any person out there from small business to humongous business, and every one of them uses another professional and pays them, honestly, <laughs> to, uh, to keep them going in, in the direction that they want to go. And sometimes you grow out of them. And you move on. Let's take baseball, for example. I actually coach varsity baseball. All right? I played in college. I played semi-pro. So I could take a kid from very young up to, you know, college age and teach them a lot. But if they want to go beyond that, I'm going to have a hard time. So they would get somebody else that's played at the professional level, whether it's minor leagues or the major leagues, to get them to the next level. And then they get into that next level, and they have a new set of coaches. That's just the way it works. Everybody works that way. And, uh, you know, you can only get so much for free after that. It's, you know, this is how it works. Somebody has the knowledge, just like you. You know, you don't go to your clients and give them everything for free. I mean, at one point or another, it's, say, I proved what I can do do for you, and now this is what it's going to cost to use my expertise to make sure that you're running and humming all along. So it all turns out to be basically the same thing. It's just it's another service that's a necessity, just like an IT service is a necessity for businesses when they get to a certain level to get to the next level, at least maintain, if not get to the next level. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, it makes perfect sense. You can you can hear me okay. I'm still battling this cold, so I just want to make sure my voice is still okay on the phone for you there.
0: I hear you.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, great. Usually I've uh, you can last an hour without having uh, too many problems, but... You know, you you mentioned a lot of great things there, and I, I'm a big believer on uh, in having coaches as well because uh, again, you know, if you're a marketing expert, I mean, I love marketing. Am I uh, am I the best marketing guy in, in business No, you know all There's guys out there that know a lot more than I do, so I le- I lean on them and I leverage their skills for that basic uh, that service. But you know, bringing in a professional understanding of the whole business is, is critical as well. And if you turn to any you know Fortune 500 CEO. Hey, I'm sure they have somebody in their back pocket that they lean on to.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the advantage that that they have is um, you know, they have a board of directors, but that board of directors is not necessarily people they want to talk to. They're not going to go to them and say, "Hey, I got a problem I can't get out of." You know, that's the last person because they're going to turn around and say, "Oh, really?" and then they'll get them fired. So, you know, it's it's a different ball game. You, 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 the bigger the company, the more people they have in general to help them in access access to help them but yeah that fortune 500 ceo also has believe it or not some kind of coach or a bunch of coaches or advisors that that are outside the business who also see things differently by the way that's a big difference outside of the business that they can lean on
1: and absolutely that's
2: just that's just the way it works i mean i i still use uh, you know mastermind groups and and other types of advisors and things like that. I think they're, they're great. I, I wouldn't do anything or tell anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Did I actually have the luxury of doing that when I had that one particular business that we're talking about, the IT and engineering company? No, because <laughs> I didn't know they existed. And uh, I did what I did on my own, but you know what? I had a ceiling. I wasn't going to get any better than I was. And I had a partner. I had two partners, if you want to get back into that story. I had two partners, one I got rid of within a year, but I knew I was going to do that because we only needed him for certain things, and other than that, he was an anchor. Now, at least I did my homework on that. I knew the guy was a complete anchor financially. (laughs) So, you know, I did buy him out and make him an employee for a couple of years before he said, okay, we don't need you at all. But my other partner and I, this guy was great, but he had no entrepreneurial spirit whatsoever. You know if I told him here's a here's a nice big, fat check, but don't cash it for a week because I'm waiting for a hundred thousand dollar check," he wouldn't even ask why. <laughs> he would just say, "Okay, tell me when I can cash it
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that's that's the way it worked. So you know he was a good partner in one way, but in another way, he wasn't a good partner at all, and then I also had nobody helping me out of that situation. So I just sat there and I dealt with it. It's one of those situations where I was doing a lot more work. He was running a department, I was running a department, I was running a company on top of it. I was the youngest one there. I was the youngest one in the entire company, believe it or not, of 10 people. And I was running the show. And I didn't necessarily knew know what I was doing, this when we first started the company, they said, you like business more than we do. And you read a lot more than we do, so you run the show. And I said, okay. And that was it. But if I had, I guarantee you that business would have been twice the size and... And the ending would have been a little bit different, um, if I actually had the, the knowledge of business coaches and advisors and actually utilized them. It's, uh, so
1: it's George, we we've out. done we've done everything. We've we set up our business. We you know we we sat around the I always say the the C D West End Vancouver uh, lounge and set up our business. You know, and and then we we've got everything going. You know, we've navigated some of the stormy seas. We've had some successes. We've had some challenges. You get to the point where you were with your uh, one partner that said, you know what, this just can't continue anymore. What's the, what, what can we do as uh, business owners to say, you know, we just have to part ways?
2: Well, um, as I've been in this position in, in a couple different companies, the, the, the question is do you, what kind of options options are laid out based on how the company is and how you're dealing with each other right now you and the partners um again like in your situation there was multiple partners you were ready to go but obviously they weren't so you worked out whatever you had to work out um for them to keep going and you to take a hike and do what you wanted to do right yep but if there's two people sometimes if one guy goes or one person goes the other one can't run the business by themselves because they haven't gotten to that point where They don't need that other person or they haven't gotten the business to the point where the two owners or the three owners or whatever happens to be are more on a strategic level like they should be and working on the business, not in the business, which, by the way, also adds to why I'm telling you if you don't need partners, don't have partners because it's much harder to get three, two or three or four or five people out of working in the business than it is to have yourself building the business up and um, getting yourself to be the main strategist and not the main worker bee. It's very difficult the more people you put in there because, you know, basically you're going in as partners so that you have unpaid employees. (laughs) That's what it turns out to be. Um, You know, everybody has their own skill set, hopefully, and that's why you brought together at first. But the, the secondary reason is that you don't need other employees at this point. So it's very difficult to get to the point where each one of you gets replaced as a worker bee so that you can be up in that different plane. Because now, if something does happen, like the question you just asked me, what are your options? Now your options are much better that say, well, if, Stuart, you want to leave, we can still function. We might have a problem. We might have to ask you to stay on for a certain amount of time or hire somebody else to take your spot, help us do that. But we can function without you being there. Um, If not, it's a matter of can we sell the business? Can we stay together long enough to sell the business? And even if you do, the point of the matter is you're selling it now because if one person goes, the whole thing falls apart, which also means you're not going to get as much money for the business because you don't get as much value when the owners are that important to the business. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's usually not a clean break at all. And um, what ends up normally happening is you find some kind of amicable way to, to split everything. And there might be a way for you to split it where it becomes two companies and you don't really lose all that much except you lose a piece of a company. Say if there's two distinct um, departments or services that your company provided, you might be able to split things. Other than that, um, it's it's usually not something easy to do and, and it's usually something that drags out a pretty long time and if one person thinks they're getting the uh, short end of the stick then there's even more problems so um, the key is to make it as even keel as possible but if you don't have anything in writing it makes it very difficult to do that
1: so the key message I'm hearing throughout is have everything in writing and well planned out uh, from day one so I'm going to open up the phone lines here George uh, we do have some questions uh, people are queued up Waiting. First, I'm going to uh, invite Dana F. from uh, Chilliwack, BC. Has a question for you, George.
0: Sure. How you doing, Dana? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? All right. So uh, it's kind of more of a, an experience point, um, but I was kind of curious on your insight to it. So I've had a bunch of different businesses I've built, which I've had partners, and one of the worst experiences I ever had was in a partnership where we brought three people in, myself included. And everyone had a role and responsibility to do to get the business up and running. And in my side of things, I felt that I went above and beyond, got where I needed to. But the other two partners didn't complete the taskings we had set up. One was brought in to do, you know, sales and support, and the other was this uh, uh, high-end CFO that was supposed to help get the business funded in a certain way, and that never happened. And when it was all said and done, because we did an equal partnership, it ended up that I had no say in really directing where we needed it to get to, and of course I just took an exit out of there, and I, I uh, actually kept the shares, and then the company still in existence today, but I don't really see any real he- heavy dividends from it. But it taught me something, and I'm curious to know what your opinion is on there. When I set up my next company after that, one of the things I did with the partners was that we set it up that it was a performance-based plan, where people would only get a, the piece of the pie, so to actually get issued the shares in the organization once they reached certain milestones that we needed over the first year to get the business to where it was, and a lot of people were surprised that I did it that way, and it ended up working really well, because the partners that didn't do so well when we did it that time, they ended up having to exit, and they didn't get to see, you know, full, full-bore full partnerships, so we had I had control of that, basically, and that worked out really well when we went public, but... Um, I'm curious to know, have you ever thought about things like that when doing partnerships? Have you ever seen a lot of resistance to that? Um, And what would your opinion be on doing something like that, where you're basically tying each partner's job function over a period of time to make sure the company gets to where it needs to um, get a return only when when they've actually accomplished their taskings? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, Well, I'll give you my, my quick thought on that. I don't know exactly how you set that whole thing up. Obviously... Um, anybody on in, in, on paper is, is is an owner regardless, um, but that is an excellent way to say I'm going to start a business and I want you two or three people to help me out, and I'm going to give you a piece of the pie based on you doing what you want to do. It's very difficult, I think, to take four people that got together purposely to build a company and say this is how we're going to do it. I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to to, to do that right off the bat, but uh, that that's actually really the way you should do it. The, the way you can do it so that you aren't bringing in partners, per se, like I was saying the whole time, doing it yourself, is to uh, find these people that you really know can help and uh, do exactly what you did, Dana, and, and say, I'm going to pay you, you know, I'm yeah. going to pay you whatever they're agreeing to come in with because maybe they'll come in at a lower level, too, and say, here's your milestones, if they make sense to you. This is what you need to make the company jump and if you hit it then you become a part owner in this respect and then if we hit this you get more shares and uh... well the thing is it gets everyone It
0: puts you know it puts the cards on the table it says look here's what we got to do over the next year everyone has roles and responsibilities that have to be met if you don't get your job done it will affect us in a negative way and the value of the company will go down If everyone has that on the table beforehand, the only time anyone will have resistance and say, hey, that's not fair, is if they don't think that what they're doing and what everyone else on the team is contributing is going to get you to where it needs to. And then before you even get started, you know, look, guys, this is what has to be done, and there has to be an ability to show that. You're right. On paper, everyone's still an owner, but the question comes down to control, ownership, and results. So in my case, when we did it, we had to get a product to a certain position and get it reset so we could deliver it to NASA, and there was a bunch of things we had to do, and I was done, and I was done early. And then while we were looking at that, I had a, you know, two partners that did do the job they were supposed to do, and I'm sitting here with, you know, in this case, a great product that we weren't able to deliver to the market because they didn't do their job, and I'm sitting there going, hmm, I only own a third of the company, I have a third of the votes, so guess what? I'm going to get voted out on any decision that gets made from a partnership level. And so now what's happened is the blood sweat and tears i put in are not tied to any milestones that they had to put in and it was it was an obvious answer for me to just exit out of there um, as when it made sense to and what's funny is i don't know if it's an impression thing or if it's a, if it's just a commitment thing but when, when so many people start up partnerships when businesses everyone expects the best things to happen because everyone's excited and they want to accomplish anything and it's when things go wrong with those partnerships that people are going hmm we didn't think about that you know we well, how are we dealing and addressing with that and this this way that I've, I do this now is by everyone knows what has to be done. There is no miscommunication on what is the value of what the company is going to do. The, if everyone does what they're supposed to, the company is going to be in a much better position, and everyone will be either happier, or at least they know get a piece. Because it's not like you must do all this and then you get shares. You know, we we vest them over quarterly over a period of time based off of their performance. If they exit. Well, they exit, but they don't have a quarter of the company or a third of the company. They got a piece of the company based off of the performance of what they accomplished for those milestones at that point. So they fairly get a piece of the company for their work. But at the end of the day, the rest of the partners aren't screwed out because they didn't complete what they said they were going to do.
2: Absolutely, and it's a great idea. The only thing I would have added into there is maybe bring in, once again, somebody from the outside while you were putting all these things down to make sure you don't forget. About X, Y, and Z that comes up later because that will happen every time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you've done it a million times, you're just not thinking that. You're thinking, "What do we need to do to get this thing going?" Get, you know, yeah. I'm excited. I want to go. I know what I got to do. Let them know what they got to do. Let's roll. And you forgot about ten things that are going to be a roadblock <laughs> down the yeah. road. But what what you did was a great idea. personally like I said, the only thing I would have changed is. If you were the main person who thought of the idea, I wouldn't have had them being partners at all until they vested into it.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I don't do that anymore. I have, you know, I have complete control, and then what I do is bring in the right people, and, and I compensate them for their, their task skills. And, you know, at the end of the day, quite frankly, I could care less if, you know, the four most critical people in my organization own, you know, a good piece of the pie. I just make sure that I have the control where I need to, um, or my board and advisors have... Um, Enough control that they can't usurp anything, so that it, you know, the values are there. Quite frankly, people that can come in there can help your business; or are going to want a piece. But the question is, is how big is that piece? And quite frankly, that's all performance-driven. So. Oh
2: yeah, how big is it, and how do you give it to them? I mean, profit sharing is one thing. Actually, giving them a piece of the company allows them to vote. Uh, is yep. a whole other story. I mean, there's yeah. there's definitely different ways to do it, different ways to think about it. And I would never give somebody voting rights.
0: Well, that's uh, the thing: is you really can give shares without voting world. rights, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, you can give absolutely. them. You can give them shares without voting rights, and then that absolutely. gives you the ability to control it. So,
2: but they and still get an
0: upside. And you got to have a thing, uh, you know, in paper
2: that's uh, on writing that says, and if you leave, you know, this is what you get to keep, and this is what you can't. I mean, yep. you know, well, do they really have shares in the company, or is it you get profit sharing? But when you leave, and if you leave before a certain time frame, you're not taking a piece of my my pie with you. That's going to go to the exactly. Next person. Watching well,
1: that's, Dana, that's, Dana, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on there and uh, you know sharing and sharing your experience with. Uh, I mean, one thing I picked out of there was some of the things that you're doing. You're really avoiding the the finger pointing from happening down the road. Yeah, everybody yeah. has everybody has clear expectations what their roles and responsibilities are going forward. Yep. Great, thank, thanks, thanks, Dana. We gotta we gotta keep moving on here. So thanks for uh, chiming in there. Your your feedback is always welcome. One of the guys that, uh, Dana's one of the guys, George, that I kind of look up to for a lot of guidance in, in today's uh, I small actually business to idea.
2: So. I met Dana uh, uh, at SMB Nation last year, actually. I had a, a speech going after his. I Great. Mean, I got to meet him briefly. <laughs> uh,
1: the last 50 minutes, George, I want to kind of focus on uh, other things outside, of your partnerships outside of our core business, and I'm sure a lot of the, Talk we've had up to now about getting things in writing and you know what are the clear rules of engagement and all that other stuff is, but you know what happens you know a partner wants to go partner with another company uh, you know across town or across state or on the other side of the country, uh, you know we use it all the time. They offer geographical services. You know I got a client going to Toronto and I need an IT guy to uh, take care of some work for me while they're there or have a branch office. In your experiences. What are some of the things that we should be asking or, or, or doing do, do our homework for before we enter into partnership with another firm?
2: Well, it's it's only slightly different than bringing somebody into your company with you. The only good part is that they're not physically in your company and they don't own anything of yours. But th- what you're worrying about is if they're gonna if it's a situation where they're representing you, you, you you need to make sure that there's a reputation issue that they understand they're they're upholding. And if you don't think that they can represent what you're doing, then that's a bad idea. I mean, there's all different kinds of joint ventures. You can do what you just did where you're basically getting somebody to represent you out in a different area of the country that you can't physically get there. Um, There's other things where, uh, you uh, you know, like if you hook up with a Microsoft to do something where they're expecting certain things from you, and they're doing the same thing. They're vetting you out. They're making sure that whatever you said you're going to do, you're going to be able to do it. And that you're not going to harm their reputation inside of the job that you're going to do, but you know it all comes down to the paperwork again. I mean, honestly, I'm personally in a the joint venture right now, and again, it's that cross-country thing with some guys in Seattle with uh, the Core connects guys. They have a new product coming out, with, or it's out already, CoreLytics, and we're doing something together. And we actually really didn't budge until we set up a joint venture. And we're very copacetic, you know, we we agree, we see eye-to-eye on a lot of things, very much alike, the guys over there and me. But we didn't do anything until we put it in writing. And I'm not going to say there's arguments, but there is a back-and-forth that goes on to make sure that everybody's on the same level, the playing field is even, and that uh, everybody knows what the expectations are, and they know when the expectations aren't met. What happens, and that's the only way you can go into a, a joint venture. Um, you know, the, the only way to do that is to make sure everybody is seeing the same thing and everybody's okay with the results that are going to happen the results for good things and the results for bad things. So, I mean, you mean? it sounds
1: it like it's pretty much the same, you know, same thing with just some differences of, uh, you know, engage rules of engagement, basically, with what I'm understanding. You know, make sure the rules of engagement are clear up front. What everybody expects from each other. Uh, one of the probably could add is, you know uh, you know, I think you mentioned too, George, you know, date before you get married with these guys.
2: Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and and that's a great way to date is is to have some kind of affiliate relationship with somebody or a joint venture if there's two companies that you're talking about. Um, it's 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 paramount. You know, you you need to to be very much alike. But have the opposites attract thing, whereas they have something that you don't have, and you have something that they don't have, and you know because you you think the same way that you can actually put them together but an affiliate relationship, by the way, is a whole different story that that really doesn't put anything at risk that's uh almost the same thing as contracting somebody to do sales for you it's um mm-hmm. uh, you know it's not an employee thing, but it's not a business to business thing, so that's that's another level that you can go at too, where there's no relationship really whatsoever and it can be severed at any given time joint venture is a lot more uh, robust in how you work together it's almost like forming a company in the middle and uh, you agree on what resources you're going to put into that company in the middle and when you know what works and what doesn't work and what happens when it works and what happens when it doesn't work that's basically you know the whole thing and it's not much different than you know taking to the next level and merging companies together
1: so that's a that's a good point you make, George, because the company I'm with now, that was what happened. We had two partners that were working uh side by side in different geographic centers that came and merged their two companies together and then I just happened to be the the guy that picked up along the highway on the on the on the merger. But you know, that's exactly what we have. We have two companies that work very closely together, realize that, you know, we're doing a lot of things the same here, but just in different markets. What would happen if we brought everything together? Do you see that lot happening out there, George?
2: Is it happening a lot? Yeah. I wouldn't say it's happening a lot that I've seen it, but there are a lot more joint ventures going on, um, and maybe they're going to lead to more mergers. It's actually the safest way to put two companies together. So I I would assume right now, nowadays, especially with markets being tight as far as getting money, that less people are buying companies and more of them are looking to do a true merge where they're not really getting rid of the other company they're just replacing a couple things that overlap but you know they're kind of coming together and the best way to do that is again to to work with each other beforehand and then decide just like any other partnership because you got two owners or maybe four owners whatever happens to be coming together who's responsible for what what needs to stay what needs to go you know everything being on the same same page and there's probably going to be more of that that You're mentioning it than than buying and selling
1: businesses. I, yeah, I get to see it down the road because especially way the the economy's going and uh, you know, people want to keep, team up their skill sets and you know even that we're in a, sort of a downturn economy, good labor, good qualified, certified technicians, engineers, whatever you want to call them, are still hard to find. And best way to do it is you know that, hey, you got a couple guys uh, resources that I need, I got resources that you need. Let's look at, let's look at doing something a bit more
2: efficiently here. Absolutely. And it's really the best way to do it. I mean, uh, because there's always, there's no way you're going to get into some kind of joint venture with somebody with another business without putting that paperwork there, because you don't want your business being ruined, you know, by any misfortune or accidentally or on purpose. And if you take a step back and you say, well, I'm not in that situation, I want to get into business with somebody that doesn't have a business, it's not any different. But people don't see it that way. You have something to lose, even when you don't have anything yet. That's the way to look at it, and it doesn't matter who you're picking to be a partner with you. You have something to lose because as soon as you step foot into that office with them, you're you're attached at the hip, no matter what that other person does, even if you didn't want them to do it. So,
1: yeah, that's that's so true, George. Um, in, we have a few minutes left here. Uh, one of the things I like to kind of circle back on. Uh, and I do this with everybody that I interview. If we if we had a, a couple of golden nuggets that you can share from our last uh, 50 some odd minutes together here, for you know like somebody stumbled upon our podcast or they you know they they're listening live, they're they're contemplating about going into business with a I know a, a high school buddy or a college buddy, uh, or a couple of guys are working together in another firm and they want to break off and go do their own thing. If you had a couple of golden nuggets to share, what would you tell them? You know if you're sitting across the table with them today.
2: Well, first thing I would do is say um, you don't necessarily need to know the person in and out as as well as you think as far as a personal relationship, but you do need to know what they're bringing to the table versus what you bring to the table and how you might think they'll react by bringing them together. You want to bring somebody in with you that, that maybe has a little overlap, but their skill set is different from yours and it's necessary to make the company work. Um, if at all possible, Don't bring them in as a partner, but bring them in as a um, high-level employee that has the opportunity to gain some interest in the company. And then once you actually decide that you do want to work together, if it's going to be a full-blown partnership or it's going to be a profit-sharing type of thing, put everything in writing on how it works. Everything that you think could possibly happen that could go right, how do you share it, if it can go wrong, how do you deal with that, What happens when you just have to not be together anymore because the relationship isn't working? Everything you could possibly think of. And the best thing you could do is not do that by yourself, and I don't mean by getting a lawyer. A lawyer needs to write it up legally, but somebody that is business knowledgeable to sit there with you and think of all the different scenarios that could happen because the third-party person being there will always allow you to open up more and not things down inside of you that say, you know, I want to talk about X, Y, and Z, but I'm afraid to because I don't want to offend somebody. And that's that's what I would do.
1: Great. George, thank you very much for your time today. How do uh, people get in touch with you if they want to, uh, you know, uh, get your services on board with them or just learn more about what you do?
2: Uh, sure. My website is consultantscoach.com. Uh, consultants is plural, consultantscoach.com and they can go they can click click on the free stuff tab and and see a webinar that i have up there or they can go to the contact page and uh, shoot me an email and let me know if they need to talk about anything
1: great once again george thank you very much for your time and uh... hope you have a wonderful weekend in new jersey there
2: <laughs> take it easy Stuart.
1: okay thanks george
2: thank uh... You.
1: just a last minute reminder before we uh... sign off for today again uh... blog talk radio is on usually every friday at uh... at noon on the east coast uh... That's 9 a.m. on the West Coast, except for next week. We have a very special show on Wednesday, and our timing is just a little off because of the uh, the people that we have coming on board. Uh, we want to make sure uh, we get everybody taken care of. Uh, if you're a member of the Heartland Tech Group, we have our April conference coming up um, April 20th to the 25th, I do believe, in Dallas at uh, the Omni Mandalay in Las Colinas. And one of the uh, the keynote speaker on the Tuesday, I believe, is Bob Berg. Now I had Bob on the uh, Small Business IT Radio Show all oh, back in September. We talked about the Goal Giver, and Bob's going to be keynoting at HG uh, Summit this year. And uh, Bob and Arlen Sorensen are going to be joining me. And now the special time is uh, 11 o'clock Eastern Time on Mon or on uh, Wednesday next week. I'll ne- uh, be the uh, April, uh, March. 18th, so 11 o'clock Eastern, 8 a.m. on the West Coast. Uh, right here on BlogTalkRadio.com/smb, you can uh, tune in. You can download the pro- program later. So that's that's our next week. That's next week's show. That's on Wednesday at 11 o'clock East, 8 a.m. on the West Coast here on Small Business IT Radio. So this is Stuart Crawford uh, here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're going to sign off for uh, Small Business IT Radio for this week. Again, check us out next Wednesday and. Uh, Log into our website, smallbusinessitradio.com, to get our full lineup, download uh, previous shows, uh, join our list. Uh, you can get all kinds of good stuff off smallbusinessitradio.com. And if you're a small business IT pro and you have a story to tell, please uh, feel free to drop me a line and uh, we'll get you on the program and you can come and tell your story. This is Stuart Crawford signing off. Enjoy your weekend. Have a successful week.